Hello, Hello, this is episode this is 5 of the pro It's not episode 5. It's not episode 5. No, it's episode 4. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 4 of the Propane Fitness Podcast. We've got a couple of questions on carb backloading to respond to today. I'm sat here with Jonathan Burkan. <laughs> Hi everyone. Um, so the question that we had on our Twitter account was, why do people get fat when using carb backloading? It's a, quite, firstly, it's quite a general question. Um, it's sort of like saying, why do people get fat when they eat? I think the, the, the thing that's of primary concern really is it's indicative of somebody using carb backloading as an excuse to, to justify overeating. Um, so carb backloading is just a way of arranging calories and macronutrients throughout the day so that towards the end of the day, well, you, you eat all of your carbohydrate at night and then spread protein fat throughout the morning and in any part of the afternoon and generally have most of your fat during the first portion of the day. And then depending on um, who you listen to, like whether if you're taking the, the carb backloading book as written, uh, Keith will tend to advocate sort of higher fat carb choices in the evening as well. So basically what, what your day could end up looking like if you were to sort of just implement the advice as given, you could end up having sort of eggs, bacon in a limited quantity throughout the day, um, and then towards the evening, eat unlimited quantities of pizza and donuts, and, and then justify that by saying, oh, well, I'm translocating uh, GLUT4, which is the process that, that Kiefer talks about in his book. I'm translocating GLUT4, and therefore all of the, the excess calories will be apportioned to muscle tissue and not to fat. And unfortunately, that's, it's simply not the case. I mean, Yusuf, what's, what are your thoughts on people getting fat when using carb backloading? Do you think it's that they're misusing the system or do you think that the system is failing? I think the system itself is fairly uh, robust. All of the principles of training and diet still apply um, when you're backloading, but I think people often throw that out of the window and feel that just because they're eating at night that it justifies poor food choices and ultimately poor macronutrient choices. So to use backloading as a tool is fine, provided you still fulfill the remaining constraints of hitting appropriate macronutrients for your goal, hitting appropriate calories for your goal, and training correctly. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's... The, no, I'm not, not to criticise the book, um, because I do think that a lot of the information in it is is very accurate and, and also very useful. But I think it does sensationalise the idea that um, assuming you avoid carbs throughout the day, you can eat next to anything in unlimited quantity at night. Uh, and Kiefer does does go on to sort of provide guidelines for, for macronutrients, but I think ultimately, if you're gaining weight too fast and you're a, you're a natural, if you're gaining weight very quickly and you're a natural, un- unassisted weight training athlete, it's unlikely to be lean muscle gain. So regardless of, of when you eat carbohydrate, of when you time your, your food intake, if you're gaining, say, uh, you know, more than a pound a week, and even that would be a very sort of fast rate of gain, unless you're just new to weight training. If you're gaining a large amount of weight per week, that's unlikely to be very qualitative in nature, and that's likely to be predominantly fat and not much lean tissue. So I think the what needs to be 
focus on really, regardless of, of the approach that you're using, is outcome-based decision-making. So if you want to try car backloading, that's fine. If you want to follow it as, as is written in the book, that's also fine. But if you start to gain weight at a rate that's faster than, than what would be reasonably expected of someone of, of your development and your ability, then I think you need to, to start making changes to your, to your current approach. I think that's quite a good point about current rate of development as well. One of the main problems with people getting fat with backloading is is rather misinterpretation of Kiefer's guidelines. He certainly sets quite clear and uh, reasonable guidelines within the book, but mainly from people assuming that they're more advanced than they are, that deadlifting 100 kilograms is going to warrant five, 600 grams of carbs in the evening. And then they blame Kiefer for getting the, the poor results. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, skewing what you want to hear and following something that deep down you know is uh, overeating, but then uh, blaming the process for the fatness that ensues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, it, it is very easy to, to fall into the trap of um, justifying things that are enjoyable, um, even if you... You kind of know deep down, you know, I, I probably shouldn't have the second tub of ice cream, um, but it's okay because, I, you know, I had a really good training session and, you know, I didn't eat carbs all day and, you know, it's fine, it'll all go to muscle. Like, it's simply not the case, unfortunately. And if it was, then I think carb backloading would still have a lot more popularity than it currently does. I think it's it, it went through a phase of being extremely popular when the book came out and it kind of died down a little bit and I think some of that might be because um, as is implied in the question some people followed it as per the book and got some maybe some results that they weren't quite expecting in that they just got fat um, so I think uh, this, I often get people ask me about the article that I wrote um, called Why You Should Stop Counting Calories um, and in that, I reference uh, sort of a car backloading template um, when justifying um, you know, an approach that, that means that you don't have to specifically count and weigh everything. And I think what, the point I was trying to make in that is that one, one thing that is good about car backloading, if you were to choose an approach which is less precise and involves less sort of manipulation of food quantities and amounts, is that it is very good at um, controlling hunger. If, if you follow the, the simple rule of avoid carbs the first portion of the day, blood sugar is very stable in the main, and you do generally feel very satiated from a relatively small amount of food. And then when you go on to eat carbohydrate at night, that again stimulates a very potent hunger, uh, hunger suppressing response. So I think if you are one of these people who doesn't necessarily want to pursue extreme levels of either leanness or performance, and you want more of a lifestyle type approach, I think backloading carbohydrate to the later portion of the day is a very good technique from a behavioral standpoint. And it helps, anecdotally, it helps a lot with, with concentration throughout the day. It helps keep hunger stable. And then it also sort of gives you something to look forward to in the evening um, while kind of allowing you to eat fairly lightly during the day and still keeping hunger controlled. That said, and I think you'll probably agree with this, Yusuf. I think uh, as soon as you start to to move out of sort of the what would be considered the normal range in terms of 
body fat or strength levels. I think you do need to be more sort of precise with with tracking and <clears throat> monitoring your food, and it does at that point then become more about how many calories am I taking in, what it, what effect is that having on me, how can I manipulate my macronutrient ratios to elicit various changes. And I think that's probably the the stage that we're at with most of our clients. When you say yourself, yeah, I think it's about exercising the appropriate judgment and a lot of the time if someone is making a, a poor decision with regard to that this i mean you see the same thing with intermittent fasting as well where you, people will assume that because they've done their fast they can then just take the mick for the rest of the day because they've kind of done the the dieting portion of their day whereas if that same person it's not like they, that they've made a judgment out of poor knowledge where if if they were training someone else they would immediately tell them that's a. They'd be able to see that poor judgment in someone else, but because their emotions are clouding their own approach, then it. Uh... <sighs> <laughs> that's a very well-rounded point that you said. Yeah, <laughs> I think I know what you're trying to say. Is that somebody's somebody's written a book which says. Here you go. Here's a here's a template that allows you to eat a box of pastries at night. And I think even you know even the most advanced weight trainers could read that book and go, well, this this book is scientifically researched. There's references, pages and pages of references in the back, and this guy's got results to prove that that this approach works. I'm going to now follow this as written, and I'm just going to disregard counting everything and tracking everything because as long as I avoid carbs during the day. I can eat as much as I want at night. And I think that's that's the crux of the problem, really, is that, as you were saying with fasting, people exercise one kind of limitation or one change and think that because that they go through this period of sort of temporary restriction, that they're entitled to this phase of sort of unlimited uh, hedonism in the evening. And it's I think it's not only does it kind of create a, a binge-type attitude of food, but it also means that you spend most of your day focusing on the evening and you know you, a lot of people get sick of just eating protein and fat all the time you know there are, there are pretty limited options both from a, a personal preference standpoint and also a social standpoint when you can only eat 30 grams of fibrous carbohydrate during the day so you spend your entire day in this kind of semi-restricted state of mind constantly focusing on oh well I just need to go and train and then I can, you know, eat all the ice cream and all the things that I actually want to eat during during the evening. And I think it's that kind of mindset that when you repeat that over a long enough time frame, you know, the backloads start getting more out of control and people's sort of overall caloric intake just becomes far greater than what they actually require. And I think if the people who were doing carb backloading would actually track their macros and track their calorie intake, it would end up simply looking like a high-fat, high-carbohydrate, calorie-excessive diet. If you asked anyone, if you were to follow a high-fat, high-calorie, high-carb diet, what results would you expect? And they'd say probably say quite bad. Say, <laughs> well, how is changing the timing of those nutrients slightly going to make a significant difference? It may partition them slightly more effectively, but the overwhelming influential factor on that whole thing would be total macros and i think uh, kifa would certainly agree that if someone's gonna make an absolute atrocity of the the macro choices then no matter whether you backload or not it's not going to redeem it 
Yeah. But I think that Kiefer certainly makes a, a strong argument as to that there are some mechanisms that, that underlie his approach that suggests that perhaps, you know, assuming taking two diets at equal macronutrient ratios, if you were to take one and split your carbohydrate throughout the day versus the other where you backload your carbohydrate at night, ultimately Kiefer's hypothesis is that negatively skewing your carbohydrate towards the end of the day will yield a like, leaner mass gain. And that might be the case. And I think that taking taking it like that and simply using it as a way of timing your carbohydrate intake and leaving your other macros so that, you know, proteins at a sensible amount and it's based on body weight and fat's still a sensible percentage of total calories, then I think there's absolutely no harm in the approach. And I think that it can work just fine. Yeah, I think that's when, absolutely correct. It's, it's just a very illogical jump to then say, well, if we were to have terrible macros and uh, poor choices and other aspects of our nutrition and training, then it'll all be attenuated by the fact that you're backloading. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you, but I actually find that when I do backload carbs, both of myself and with clients, towards the end of the day, you, you tend to get this um, massive sort of... Uh, you know, sleep-inducing effect after you eat, you know, 200, 300 grams of carbs in one meal at night. And I think maybe for for most people, um, it's better from a psychological standpoint, especially if they have, you know, anything to do at night, like work or revision or whatever it might be. You know, if you're going to get home and and eat a meal, which then sends you into a coma on the sofa in front of the TV, that's maybe not the best decision um, from a social point of view. Um, and it might actually be better to have two or three meals, you know, if, if, or if you want to fast, you know, two meals, whatever, or even if you want to include breakfast, it might be better from a social point of view to have smaller carb feedings throughout the day, even if that is slightly less optimal. If it means that you're able to then stick to something consistently and that you're not constantly sat at your desk at work craving the, the tub of ice cream or the slice of cake that you know you've earned by avoiding carbs throughout the day. So that's uh, that's maybe just a slightly different, less scientific way to view it, is that if by following a carb backloading template you create this, this kind of binge attitude to food and you create this desire to increase your caloric intake, then maybe something like a carb backloading structure isn't for you and you might even be better with even eating breakfast, lunch and dinner of, of equal sized meals. What are your thoughts, Yusuf? Yeah, I think that sums it up, really. Um, nothing else to add on that one. Cool. So uh, the second question we had was, it was on carb backloading again, and it was, how do various forms of cardio affect carb backloading? I'm assuming that this question comes from a concern of uh, whether doing high-intensity cardio inhibits uh, the glycogen resynthesis when you backload on that day or for the next day or two. I would personally not worry about it. I think if you're if you're in a calorie deficit, you're aiming for fat loss, you're doing high intensity cardio, provided again all of the subject to all the constraints we mentioned earlier that you're you're hitting your normal calorie numbers and you're not just going mental on carbs, then the overall effect is is going to be not even noticeable. Yeah, I, I agree. I think when I, when I read that question, I think the first thing I think is that. Um, it's a, there's a huge focus on detail, which I think is probably unnecessary. 
um, the, the way I would, the way I, I view cardio um, when working with people is that it's a tool to achieve a certain outcome. And yes, you can argue that cardio when used in the fastest state or first thing in the morning or whatever has a great propensity to burn fat over lean tissue etc but ultimately cardio is additional calorie expenditure within a unit of time so if you if you spend 40, 40 minutes during your day doing cardio then that's an extra you know 400 calories of, of calorie expenditure on top of what you're already burning by just being yourself and that's a good tool to use when trying to lose weight you know you can increase your theoretical calorie deficit while leaving your food intake the same. I think when somebody asks, how does cardio affect carb backloading? What's What that's suggesting to me is, how can I exercise to increase the amount of food I can eat? I mean, I, I might be reading it wrong, but um, backloading is just a way of distributing food. So if you take it at its face value, you could say that if I increase cardio, then in theory, you can eat more food and still keep the effect, the overall effect, to be the same. Um, I know that Kiefer speaks about uh, how high-intensity interval training can can create some translocation of the GLUT4 um, transporter proteins, but I'm not entirely familiar with that. I think, uh, gen- generally speaking, if you're going to use cardio, use it. That keep it in your arsenal as a tool to use when fat loss slows. I wouldn't start considering cardio in a way of you know how can I implement it to to start affecting um, blood transporters and how can I implement it in my day so that I can eat more carbs at night. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm reading it wrong. You said, what do you think? Yeah, likewise. I don't want to make any assumptions about the impetus behind this question, but if it is about um how can I use cardio to justify eating more? Then it seems like either calories are too low because you're too hungry during your diet, or maybe the food choices are too low. And there's an article on our website talking about satiety. I'll stick a link in uh, the description where just modifying the food choices and the, the calorie density of your foods according to your diet allow you not to ever feel deprived or too hungry or too satiated on the, on the flip side during a diet by switching the, the food choices yeah um, I think just kind of to, to summarise really um, my sort of personal uh, opinion on to, to take carbs and cardio as two separate things regardless of, of what you're doing whether it be cutting or bulking I would always favour somebody's carbs to be as high as they can possibly be while you know, keeping any mass gain as lean as possible or while losing fat as efficiently as possible. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I would always keep cardio as low as possible while still achieving your goal. So if you're in a fat loss phase, you don't. the last thing you want to do is start with several sessions of hit cardio in the morning just because you're doing it to enhance the effect of carb backloading. Um, you want to implement it as fat loss slows and as it's needed. And then with carbs as well, it does take some experimentation. Some people respond better to a higher percentage of calories coming from fat. But generally speaking, from personal experience and and client experience, performance is generally maintained much better when carbs are higher and people can continue to progress 
with strength uh, with their strength work while in the calorie deficit, as long as carbs form a reasonable percentage of calories. And then equally for when in a mass game phase, I think that people tend to respond best when the, the calorie increase comes from carbohydrates, but while while keeping fat to sort of you know twenty thirty percent of calories and not really changing the ratios that you that you would have from a cutting phase. So that's that's just personally how I approach both of those things. And, and within that frame of context, if you want to use a carb backloading framework to, to keep your carbs in your day, then I think that's absolutely fine. And if you want to use, if you do want to use, you know, hit cardio or low-intensity cardio or sport as cardio, I think all of those are fine as long as the, the cardio is included for the right reasons and not so that you can enhance something that is kind of, questionable how important it is in the overall scheme of things with our with our own clients we we obviously don't prioritize cardio as the as the primary um reason for fat loss maximum two sessions a week if that but a lot of clients the main thing we just advise is fasted walks which are more for recovery and uh psychological reasons than uh than fat loss but the primary factor in fat loss is always going to just be diet yeah, I 100% agree. Okay, well, I think that we only really got two questions this week. So as as Yusuf, I think, said on the Facebook page, we obviously answered all possible questions in the articles that we've written. Amazing. Um, but yeah, if, if you do have any questions, anything you want to hear us talk about, anything in any of the articles that you didn't agree with and you want to tell us how stupid we are, then all of those things are fine. Um, just comment on the Facebook page and... We'll make it the subject of our next uh, our next podcast. So that's the Propane Fitness Podcast, episode four, and uh, we'll speak to you soon.